You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tied 100.9 FM. Travis Schreier, your trusty if not talented host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for the Alabama-affiliated website there on the 247sports.com network. The show is always brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. They're ready for you. I told you last week they had your football weekend treats ready. That's going to continue to be the case throughout the fall. They have made the transition to more of a fall theme in general. I don't know if they've got any pumpkin spice over there at Peterbrook Chocolates here, but they definitely have the chocolates covered for you. They've got this s'mores kit that you need to go ahead and get. You got that fire pit maybe out on the back deck, maybe in the backyard. You get that s'mores kit with that graham cracker, that homemade marshmallow okay with that peterbrook chocolatier chocolate oh it's gonna be a nice little treat for you as the temperatures and the weather continues to trend hopefully towards a legitimate fall season joined on the program by executive producer joe gaither who together we combine to form the 60 sports talk radio Joe, how was your holiday weekend my friend it was awesome travis i knocked out a few honeydew lists and uh, rested a ton. It was great. There you go. You had a ton of sports, didn't you? Man, it was such a good weekend with all the different sports. It was weird, and we're going to get into this in a lot of ways with the lack of a crowd presence at the various stadiums, tracks, arenas, venues in general around the world of sports. But uh, we weren't lacking for content on the cable, were we? What a weekend. Yeah, plenty of stuff to get to on the program and we'll ask the question the poll question today at the personal twitter account at travis ryer t-r-a-v-i-s-r-e-i-e-r in terms of tv viewing experience over the weekend the sporting event that missed fan attendance the most your options u.s open tennis the kentucky derby how about authentic huh she make you a little mint julep not a big fan of the mint juleps myself Typically, you can put bourbon slash whiskey in anything, and, you know, I'm good to go. But not mint juleps so much. Not a big fan of the old fashions either. I think maybe a little too sweet. Uh, College football, obviously one of your options. And then we had a tweet-in option in case you wanted to go NBA playoffs or uh, maybe uh, Major League Baseball is sort of in a continuation there. Uh, But so far, as you might expect – College football leading the way in the poll at 56%. Yeah, I get it. Last night was bizarre. That was a tough watch anyway when you look at BYU and Navy. I planned on settling in for four quarters of triple option football. You know there's no bigger fans of triple option football than us here at Southern Fried Sports. What a clinic Army put on, right? Saturday against Middle Tennessee State, winning 42 to nothing. You were thinking, well, this is going to be along the same lines, except BYU is going to be a much bigger challenge for Navy than MTSU was for Army. Never happened. Wow. Then we come to find out, well, Navy hadn't really tackled or blocked anybody all preseason. 
you know, that might be kind of important when you're a triple option football team, you know, and you're already outmatched in terms of personnel. When you talk about your defense, you got to know how to tackle a little bit. Hard to simulate tackling without tackling. You know what I mean? Sign the same thing for blocking. I mean, I get it. I appreciate, I appreciate uh, the concerns of the Navy coaching staff in terms of trying to practice in the midst of a pandemic and getting all these guys together. But look, if you're going to play, if you're going to opt into a college football season, you're going to have to practice tackling and blocking. You know, I don't make the rules. That's just kind of the way it worked. And it was, man. It was varsity versus JV up in Annapolis last night with no one in the stands either. And if you're Navy, you're kind of happy about that today, aren't you? Oof. And we told you. We told you if BYU beat Navy, what were we going to do? We were going to go ahead and crown BYU as the Pac-12 champs. That's the only team we've got that's even Power 5-like that's playing football west of the Rockies this year. So congratulations to the BYU Cougars. You're 2020 Pac-12 champs. What do you think of that, Joe? I think it's appropriate, right? Yeah, absolutely. And give them the invitation to the CFB playoff, and let's see what they can do. Oh, man, as soon as BYU got up like 21 to nothing, you could already hear the proverbial fly-in-the-ointment talk start to crank up with BYU for the 2020-2021 college football playoff, right? Oof. BYU looked good, man. But, again, I, I don't really have much to gauge it against because Navy was just awful. And, I, and I'm a big Navy fan. Not just because of the uh, the triple option. Coach Ken Niumalatalolo has done a super job there. You can go back to, you know, Paul Johnson. We're big Paul Johnson fans. Went up there and won before moving on to Georgia Tech. But that was awful. And even Coach Ken had to admit after the game last night, that's the worst Navy game we've ever played, he said. That's my fault. I chose to block bags and tackle donuts. You know what else Coach Ken did for three months during the offseason? And I'm not hating on him for it. This is more out of envy than anything else. Coach Ken is actually a native of Hawaii, as we know. And so he went over there for spring break, and then the pandemic hits. Well, Coach Ken ended up spending three months in Hawaii. Like I said, if I could do it, I would have done it too. But it kind of tells you the offseason that Navy had, you know, as Coach Ken said after the game last night, last time we tackled anybody was the bowl game nine months ago. Yeah, that could be a problem. And boy, you could tell from the outset last night, those poor Navy defenders, they were catching dudes for BYU. There was there were no square up form tackles, run your feet, send a guy backward. They were catching all night long. And so I think what we're going to find out is because of what we saw from Army on Saturday, BYU now will go to Army in two Saturdays. And I think we'll find out a lot more about BYU in that game. I think BYU's solid. You know, we talked a lot about what what being important with the kind of offseason we've had, experience. That's why a lot of folks like this Alabama team, you know? It's an experienced football team, a veteran football team in a lot of ways. And is it, it's hard, right, to be any more experienced than BYU. I mean, BYU, you're talking about a roster of the average age player being like 29, something like that. Those BYU players are a little older, you know. So uh, it showed up. showed up in a lot of ways last night in Annapolis. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line, we'll get into some Alabama football talk. The Crimson Tide headed back to the practice field today. Practiced on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Shoulder pads and helmets yesterday on Monday. And then back at it again today. I would guess today's a full pad workout. Kind of falls in line with the practice week. And then you'll hear from Nick Saban after practice tonight, this evening. You'll hear from Nick Saban. Once again, uh, you heard some things around the Southeastern Conference that were a little bit uh, 
a little bit worrisome in terms of the COVID-19 virus. What about Jeremy Pruitt over the weekend? Had 44 guys out for practice, I think it was Saturday, up in Knoxville. Now, 27 or 28, he said, were COVID-related. It was interesting because I hadn't heard Pruitt really get specific with the COVID stuff. Not so much in terms of singling out players by name or saying this person's out with protocol issues or things like that. But just to really tell you, this is where we were at this weekend. And he made some interesting points about contact tracing and how that can impact a football team. Because it sounds like that's what Tennessee's dealing with right now, even more so than positive tests. I think he said seven or eight guys were positive, but they were still missing you know, 27 or 28 guys. Well, you do the math on that. You kind of think about roommates and guys that live together either in apartments, houses, you know, things like that. Well, it's quarantine time, ba- quarantine time, baby. You know, if one of your roommates is probably positive. So that's what you're dealing with, too. We get caught up in the case numbers, the positive tests. Uh, But, you know, based on state regulations and local regulations and things like that and quarantine protocol, you get down a lot of guys real quick in terms of availability. That looks like what Tennessee is dealing with right now. Coming up later in the program, we're going to talk with Matt Hughes, good friend, former Alabama men's golfer, played on some professional tours, worked the bag for Michael Thompson on the PGA Tour few years back we're going to get matt's thoughts on pro golf over the weekend certainly from the alabama perspective justin thomas very much in that race for the fedex cup championship over at east lake golf club in atlanta georgia daddy and with that three stroke advantage to start the event that's basically the way it ended up for dustin johnson in winning the 15 million that goes along with that FedEx Cup championship. Not bad, right? And JT didn't do too bad in his own right with that T-second. Walked away with a cool $4.5 million. By my math, on course this season, and it, you got to remember, this was an abbreviated PGA Tour season because of the COVID-19, a little under $12 million in on-course earnings for Justin Thomas this year. 18 events entered. He won three of them and top 10 and 10 others. That'll work. That's a strong year for Justin Thomas. And now the tour season starts all over again this week, way out in Napa, California. The boys will be teeing it up at the Safeway Open. Uh, And then you're going to transition right back to the East Coast next week for the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. So a busy time on the golf calendar we're going to step aside for our first break we come back more of a tuesday edition of southern fried sports presented by peterbrook chocolates here right here on tide 100.9 fm right after this message and a good supply of sunshine this afternoon the high today 90 tonight clear with the low at 69 tomorrow partly to mostly sunny the high at 91 thursday partially sunny a few scattered showers or thunderstorms are possible by afternoon the high 89 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Southern Fried Sports and Ron Burgundy voice right here on side 100.9 FM. We good to go, Joe? I'm not hearing anything. You're good to go. All right. There we go. We're, we're back. Stay classy, Tuscaloosa. Travis Rocker, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you on a Tuesday. Some breaking news during the break. Robbie Hoots 
a three-star tight end from Rock Hill, South Carolina, has committed to the Alabama Crimson Tide for the 2021 recruiting cycle. If you noticed on the show notes for today that we tweeted out, we were going to talk some tight end with you. Did you notice that? Was that maybe a little indication of what might be coming? And it happened here in the last few moments. Robbie Utes, a tight end. Never enough tight ends for Alabama, man. You look at the roster right now. You've got two fifth-year seniors, Miller Forrestall, Carl Tucker, coming in from North Carolina as a grad transfer. you got Major Tennyson that's a program veteran at this point. You've got a converted outside linebacker in Cameron Latou. You've got Michael Parker that you signed a couple of years ago. you got Jalil Billingsley that you signed in the class for 2019. So, yeah, numbers aren't much of a problem for the Alabama Crimson Tide, who adds another tight end in Robbie Oots. Now, he'll essentially be like a second tight end in this class because Caden Clark, who initially signed with Alabama in the 2020 Hall, he's had his enrollment deferred until January of the upcoming year. Caden Clark had a knee injury during his senior year of high school football a year ago. So makes plenty of sense, especially, again, when you consider this sort of stockpile of scholarship tight ends that Alabama has currently on its roster. And it'll be interesting because with this sort of frozen year of eligibility, does maybe Miller Forrest all come back for a sixth year? I guess certainly depending on what happens this season. And what about Carl Tucker? You know, with this extra year of eligibility, that's where it's going to get really interesting for the 2021 season. Now, it makes more sense with those kind of guys because in 2022, you're going to have to get back, I believe, to 85. So, you know, if you're going to keep some of those vets, you would think it would be in that sort of area. 205-342-9904. That is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line for continuing coverage of Robbie Oots and his commitment to Alabama, certainly you're going to want to keep it locked right here and also to BamaOnline.com. Tight end recruiting getting, I would think, more and more difficult because when you're talking about traditional, true, hand-in-the-ground, in-line sort of tight ends because you've got so many, so many high school teams now emulating college, even pro football to an extent, with spread offenses, three, four wide receiver sets. And you go to your local high school football game on a Friday night, you don't see many Michael Williams types. You don't see many Hale Hinchesses, right? It's kind of tough to spot them. Everything's spread out. Still got some wing T offenses, some tighter formation offenses that'll use that type of player at the tight end position. But you gotta you gotta sort of look long and hard more these days at that spot. And it's not a position that is particularly smiled upon when you think about recruiting rankings. Robbie Utes is that kind of guy. You know, he's a three star. Uh, you have to be along the lines of a guy from this most recent class, like an Eric Gilbert, who ultimately ended up at LSU if you're going to be sort of in that high four to five-star range. Tough to be a five-star. Tough to be a four-star at the tight end position these days. But Robbie Utes, coming from Jadeveon Clowney territory over there in Rock Hill, South Carolina. How about Clowney signing with the Titans over the weekend? It's not any. That's not any good for our Jaguars. That division, everybody else in the AFC South has sort of gone this way. And our Jags have gone entirely the other way. But we still have Godna. And Godna we trust. Joe Dirk Namath instead of Joe Willie. Gardner Minshew. But, uh, yeah, so there you go. Some breaking news for you for the Alabama Crimson Tide on the recruiting front. Robbie Utes has committed to Alabama. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us on this Tuesday morning, you are welcome to do so. It's crazy to think that, man, we've got NFL football on Thursday night. 
Speaking of guys getting paid, how about the two quarterbacks in that game? Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Pretty good few months here. As here in the last week or so, we've seen Deshaun hit the jackpot, get paid. I like Deshaun's deal better than Patrick Mahomes. Now, look, that's kind of like saying, well, I'm a bone-in ribeye guy, but, uh, you know, give me a bone-in ribeye over a bone-in filet. I mean, both guys got paid. But I like what Deshaun did because he went shorter in the years. Now, it's an extension to the two years he has left. So when you add these next two years into it, it's not quite the same impact in terms of money on an annual basis. That average gets knocked down a little bit. But the deal will be up when he's 29 if it isn't renegotiated before that point. But he could hit free agency at the age of 29, which means he gets another bite at the cherry if it comes down to it. But we got football this weekend in terms of the NFL cranking up in earnest. We're going to get our home dogs with teeth out to you tomorrow on the program. We're going to get Rusty out. You know, Rusty's been in that kennel, kind of cooped up. He's been quarantining. We had to kind of isolate Rusty during the offseason. So he is, he's got extra juice as we look ahead to the season. And we'll get some, some home dogs with teeth picks out there for you tomorrow. But you're going to ramp things up a little bit on the college football front. Uh, coming up this weekend with the ACC getting things going. You're going to have some Big 12 teams getting into the pool. Um, you know, still not what I would consider to be a banner weekend for college football. But it's kind of like that Totino's pizza. You know, when you haven't had pizza for like eight months, you can break out that off-brand freezer pizza at the Publix. And man, you're like, this is the best pizza ever. This is great. For about a slice, that's what you're saying. And then as you get into that second slice of that off-brand frozen pizza from the Publix, you start asking yourself, where's the heat pizza? (laughs) When can I get that Thai Chicken Tuesday? Speaking of Tuesday, yeah, Thai Chicken Tuesday at Heat Pizza Bar. When can I get one of those, babies? This isn't quite doing it. Well, you're going to kind of move up a step. You're going to go to like, uh, what is it, DiGiorno? This weekend will be like DiGiorno, you know? You'll go into some ACC. You'll get into some more. You'll get into some Power 5 football. And a couple of the games that I have particular interest in, we ran a poll on this topic last week, too, in sort of relation to matchups in college football prior to the start of the SEC season that you're anticipating the most. I'm pretty fired up about Duke at Notre Dame. Caught a little grief for this on the on the Twitter, on social media, but you got Chase Bryce coming in there. As the grad transfer quarterback for David Cutcliffe and the Blue Devils. Got a guy like Chris Rump coming off the edge, rushing the quarterback for Duke. Notre Dame, obviously, with a condensed college football playoff field in terms of candidates. A lot of expectations now for the Irish to be one of those four teams when it comes down to CFP time. I think that could be an interesting game. That's a 1.30 kickoff on Saturday. That will be on NBC, by the way. I saw where Notre Dame the following Saturday, its home game against South Florida on September the 19th, that game will actually air on the USA Network because you're going to have a conflict. We talked earlier about the Masters and the LSU-Alabama game on November the 14th. Well, you're going to have a similar situation with South Florida and Notre Dame on September the 19th because you got the U.S. Open, NBC obviously, televising that event once again after having it handed to it it by the Fox Network. So South Florida and Notre Dame will be on the USA Network. That's kind of retro, man. When I was a kid growing up, and we were first getting into the cable, I know this is a long time ago, the Sunday morning 
replay of Notre Dame football would always be on USA Network. So this is a little bit of a throwback with South Florida going up to South Bend uh, in a couple of Saturdays. So, yeah, I mean, the, the lineup, the, the options, the pizza is going to get a little better this week, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, Clemson at Wake Forest is your primetime ABC game. Doesn't exactly hit different, as the kids would say. But Florida State and Georgia Tech at 2.30 on Saturday. Mike Norvell making his debut as the Seminoles head coach. Jeff Collins, former Alabama staffer here under Nick Saban, trying to get things turned around in year two on the flats there at Georgia Tech. You're going to have a little better options to choose from coming up this week. We're going to step aside for a break. When we come back, we'll hear from Matt Hughes. We're going to talk a little golf with Matt Hughes when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, returns on a Tuesday. As always, by the way, the show brought to you in part by Houston Hydrosteam, home to the Houston Rug Revival. Give them a call right now at 205-553-9460. Jackie and the entire crew there at Houston Hydrosteam, locally owned, locally operated, dependable, thorough, Great customer service, carpet, rugs, upholstery, tile, and grout cleaning. Extend the life of all of those items in your home right now. Your commercial space as well at 205-553-9460. Houston Hydrosteam, quality work you can stand on. Back with more of SFS with Matt Hughes right after this. Um. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I go out walking after midnight edition of Southern Fried Sports. We were expecting to hear from Matt Hughes. Uh, do we have that queued up, guys? Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. We are on the heels of the Tour Championship over in Atlanta, putting a wrap on the 2019-2020 PGA Tour season. The FedEx Cup playoffs come to an end. Dustin Johnson, the big winner over at East Lake Golf Club, $15 million for that FedEx Cup championship for DJ. He was already doing okay, I think, in the bank account department, but uh, got a good bit fatter over there on Labor Day. Joining us to talk about that now and a whole lot more, our good friend Matt Hughes, former Alabama men's golf standout, former professional player uh, as well, and also has the viewpoint or had the viewpoint from the caddy perspective, working with his good friend Michael Thompson out there on the professional tours. Matt, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I, I can't go any further without uh, asking you first, what did you grill on this holiday weekend? <laughs> That's you know, where we're starting. That's where we're you know, starting right there. I, I like that start, actually. I like that start. Um, you would. We, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but uh, it was it was interesting because, you know, the wife and I were kind of empty nesters at this point. I know for you, Matt, at this point, that seems like 100 years away with the I'm little the opposite. Ones. Yeah, I'm the opposite <laughs> of that. Trust me, it, it'll get here too quick. Um, <laughs> so we're sitting around uh, on Monday. And actually, uh, you know, we're we're thinking about, well, what do we want to do, you know, for for lunch or dinner? Because it's like one o'clock. And so like some true early bird specialists that are in their 50s now, we decided to go ahead and cook dinner at like two. So we ended up doing some steaks on the grill, did a little uh, did some shrimp skewers. We kind of did it up, my man. Now, that was the only real meal of the day again. So kind of like the. uh the cafeteria crowd, you know, as we get older here, that, that's what we I, did. What about what about you guys? Now, I understand you, you kind of you were swimming, man. You had the little girls all to yourself, right? 
Yeah, first off, there's no shame in, in that meal, if that's the only meal of the day. No shame at all. Yeah, I had my wife took a family trip to the beach. I got three little girls, four and under, and I'll just say this. Their hair was uh, washed every night. Their teeth were brushed, but we ate a lot of <laughs> peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's all I'm going to say. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, you did Not better than me. It would have it been straight up crustables around <laughs> Casa de Rye, right? I wouldn't even have had the bread, the jelly, and the and the peanut butter. It was, I would have just went crustables. But um, <laughs> we certainly had a lot of pro golf to, to keep yes. us locked in over the holiday weekend. I know you had particular interest being a former Alabama player. There's Justin Thomas in that race. Uh, to try to supplant a uh, very, very unwavering, I guess, the best way to determine, uh, define Dustin Johnson's play here in the last four or five weeks. And it's really amazing, isn't it, Matt, when you consider where this guy was at just six weeks ago? This guy couldn't break 80 on the PGA Tour back in mid-July. Well, so you mentioned J2 first. I'll start there. It is super cool to watch him um, as he's gone through his young career finding a way when when the stage gets bigger to kind of get himself in the mix and and he did that he did that on monday uh had a really good last round kind of had a late bogey that derailed some momentum but probably wouldn't make a difference dj played so good but it's fun um fun watching jt rising to the occasion and he's gonna be we're gonna be watching him a lot on sundays and majors and fedex cuffs and stuff like that um yeah so maybe I don't know. You tell me six or seven weeks ago was probably the memorial and DJ shoots 80, 80 looks like a human being looks, you know, extremely mortal. And then has just gone nuts the last three weeks. He looks like a freak. <laughs> uh, he was probably be the most physically just gifted athlete that, that plays pro golf. I mean, I've, I've studied more than just what I've watched on TV. I mean, the, the exercises he does, the workouts he does, um, I mean, the guy can 360 dunk a basketball. They said he could have been a college swimmer. I mean, he, he can he can do it all. And, um, man, he just hit a level. I don't know if his body wasn't feeling good when he played bad. I know he, he made a few tweaks. Uh, if you watch the golf, he was kind of doing a little pre-shot check of his alignment. Um, but it's that, uh, it's that fickle thing called confidence, I think. And he found a little bit of it. And, man, he is rolling right now. I, if I were him, I'd want to go play, like, Tee me up tomorrow, you know, don't stop. You know, for the, you mentioned mere mortals, like the weekend players, the rec players like myself, you know, we often equate distance with being able to draw the golf ball, hit it from right to left. If you're a right-handed player, this is a guy who can control the golf ball and still hit it out there. 360 with that cut. Um, what type of advantage does that give a guy like that? And, I guess also, even if he gets into the rough like he did a few times, even uh, early on, he only hit, you know, here's what's crazy. He only hit seven of 28 fairways in the first two rounds there at, at East Lake Golf Club. And we talked about this before we went on today. Uh, you know, that rough on television at East Lake may not look all that uh, detrimental uh, to, to golfers, but it, it can be a real problem, can't it? Well, yeah. I mean, if you like you and I were talking about, if you've played golf in the South and you've gotten to a golf course that's got some some decent Bermuda rough, and it only has to be about the height of the golf ball, but that stuff go the ball goes to the bottom of it, and it's it's tough. Um, you know, him hitting a fade, I think, is something he went back to a few years ago. He just kind of went to one shot and doesn't really worry about drawing it. I, I did catch a, a few holes today and. I heard the commentators, uh, maybe it was 16 or 17, he had a three-wood on one hole because it was a dogleg left. And his fade, if he hit driver, it would have kind of run through the right side of the dogleg. So he hit three-wood uh, instead of driver. And so he's just, just really comfortable with kind of being who he is. And, you know, he didn't he didn't stand there and try to draw it around the corner when that's just not a shot that he's comfortable with right now. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's putting on a show right now. And, and then he – you know, there's a lot of jokes out there maybe about his uh, intelligence <laughs> sometimes, but like he, he's I'm not saying he's dumb, just like he's just got this cool, calm demeanor about him. And he's I heard uh, maybe it was Mickelson said at one time, like, you got to be really, really smart to play this game or you got to be so dumb you don't really understand what you're doing. <laughs> um, and and I think some of that is true. Um, uh, but again, he's 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 good enough to be best player on the tour. But the, his demeanor and the way he just kind of everything he just shrugs off um, is really, really impressive and fun to watch. And when he gets the putter going, 
like he's got it going right now too. Uh, it's really tough. And it, it's interesting. You talk about uh, Dustin going back to more of a fade a few years ago. I guess that's, that's similar to the conversation we had about Michael Thompson not all that long ago. Yeah, these guys, um, they just get something that looks comfortable to their eye. And everybody's chasing, trying to get better. And some guys can figure, I mean, Tiger works it both ways. He prides himself in being able to do that. But, you know, Tiger was, um, he, he was on a different planet when he was in his prime. But most guys kind of have a ball shape that looks favorable to their eye. And the ones I think that do the best long terms are the ones just commit to that and they just be who they are. I remember Coach Sewell at Alabama used to tell Michael Thompson all the time, play Michael Thompson golf. And basically what that was is go hit a low cut and make every putt you look at. And when Michael did that and didn't worry about guys he was playing with that were hitting high bomb draws with their driver, he just did his thing. Uh, he played well. And so um, not comparing Michael to Dustin, but I think that's probably why he is has been so consistent in um, just kind of comfortable in his own skin. You know, he just, He's just being himself. And, you know, when he needs to hit a three wood off the tee, albeit he hits his three wood, probably 300, 310, uh, you know, he just pulls three wood when their guys hit driver. And it just, he just doesn't let it face him. It was what I would describe for Justin Thomas over the weekend, a tiresome sort of performance from a putting perspective. When you hit it as good as a guy like this does, and you look at strokes gained, uh, T to green and he's first in the field there for the first half of the event. And then at the same time, he's dead last and strokes gained in putting. How much does that just wear on a guy? How much does that just sort of, uh, how, how do you, how, how hard do you have to work against becoming discouraged when you're hitting it that good and you just can't really make enough putts? Got to be one of the most frustrating parts of the game for those guys at that level. You know, uh, I mean, weekend guys like me and you now that you just got to realize that they're not all going to go in. But when those guys are hitting it that close all the time um, and they can't get anything to fall. And then I saw he had a he had kind of a costly three putt for about 12 feet, missed a little shorty uh, for par. Yeah. Uh, on Sunday, I believe. I mean, that's just. Yeah. It's just so demoralizing to get to not not be able to kind of create any momentum. I mean, there is as hard as it is. I mean, you can hit all the great tee shots and all the great iron shots, but getting those putts to go in and sometimes even the par saving putts or the, you know, the 15, 20 footers for birdie on a hard hole when you've hit a good shot in there. I mean, those just can really kind of ignite your round or keep a round going or get you going. And you're right. He just kind of never could get that. Mm you know, that those one or two to fall that he needed. Um, putting is extremely, uh, you know, I heard, I heard a great line last week and I don't know if I saw it on social media or not, but it said that everybody is a streaky putter. And for you and I, it's a good thing to remember. I mean, expectation wise, I mean, there's a, such a variance in putting. I mean, you're rolling a ball across grass. There's only so much you can do, but, um, those guys are so good at it. They, uh, they need those putts to fall to get some momentum going. Yeah, he made one on 18, though, from about seven feet that was worth about 500K on uh, Monday. <laughs> Not Matt, a bad because, Monday. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he birdied 18, Shoffley parred 18. That left them both in a tie for second. That meant they split the $9 million combined between second and third place. So $4.5 million for a tie for second over the weekend there. Um yeah, it, it's just crazy when you consider the schedule, too, right? Because we wrap up the season on Monday. We open the 2020-21 season this weekend in Napa, California. You talk about sort of a gypsy's life. Now, look, a lot of the field out in Napa, I understand, they weren't guys that were in Atlanta for the Tour Championship. Um but this is crazy to see the, the season crank right back up this week. And then we got a major championship cranking up a week from Thursday at Wingfoot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guarantee you that um, by today, everybody that's in the field at Napa, they're there. Um, obviously, yeah. probably not all the guys that were in contention for, at the end of the FedEx Cup race. But it is interesting. Uh, um, the the fall in pro golf is I kind of equate it to college golf, maybe not this year, but normal years. It counts. It counts for something. But you really kind of felt like the year got started in the spring. And I know a lot of the top players when they they get to go to uh, 
where do they go out in Hawaii if you're a tournament of champions? That's kind of tournament of champions, yeah. Right. That feels like the beginning of the year, but I mean, this fall we're about to have a U.S. Open and a Masters. <laughs> I mean, in the <laughs> middle of the in the middle of Napa and the Sanderson in, in Mississippi, we're gonna have we're gonna have two majors, so it'll be fun. It's gonna be a lot of golf this year. I, I read where there's I think there's 50, maybe just over 50 events, the most in 45 years on the schedule. So it'll be fun. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and, and looking forward to having a lot more Bama guys out there too. Yeah, Davis Riley, Lee Hodges going to make that move from the Corn Ferry Tour up to the Big Tour, as we know. Uh, what about November the 15th? By the way, you're going to have the third round of the Masters on CBS, Matt, leading you right into Alabama, LSU, and Baton Rouge. Is that like the perfect Saturday for for someone like you and me, or what? I don't know how it gets any better. Um, you know, maybe you talk about the grill. Yeah. How about the grill on that day? Yeah. You better have an outdoor TV or move one out there or have something on your phone if you want to pull that day off. But yeah, that'll be pretty sweet. I guess the only thing that'll make it sweeter is, uh, you know, uh, by that afternoon, make sure that the tide's taking care of business. Don't want that day soured with a, with a loss, but that will be pretty fun to have those two events coincide. I'll be interested to see kind of the, the vibe of the masters in the fall. I, I just have no mm-hmm. idea what to expect, what the golf course is going to be like. Um, just excited that we get to talk about football and, and hopefully get to play it soon. But um, the masters in the fall is going to be pretty unique. Yeah. I've always thought that they cheat with the Isaiahs, you know, in terms of getting them to bloom like they do at Augusta national, uh, in early April, if they bloom in November, Matt, I think we'll know that the, the fix is pretty much in, right? Well, I'll tell you what, money can buy a lot of things. Those <laughs> folks have it. And you're right. If they pull off November azaleas, then we're just going to have to say that it can buy anything, right? Absolutely. Hey, uh, speaking of sort of caddies and how the dynamic sort of works, Bones Mackay filling in for Jimmy Johnson on the bag for Justin Thomas here in the last month or so seemed to be a really solid partnership as you would expect. I mean, bones renowned for his work, of course, with Phil Mickelson in the past, the expectation being, uh, JT saying himself that Jimmy Johnson will resume caddying for JT for the U S open. Is that a tough decision you think for a player to make when you got a guy like bones working for you in a temporary role and you're playing pretty well, it seems to be working well, even though you've had so much success with the other guy on the back. You know, it, it, at first glance, I think it may look that way. Um, and I, I imagine that that decision in JT's head got a little harder because he played so well. I mean, he won with, um, with bones in Memphis. So that's, was that the first tournament they were working that was together? One maybe? of the first, if not the first. Yeah. Okay. It was yeah, very I couldn't early. Remember. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. I think it was the first. And so then he's, I mean, he's played well through the FedEx cup. Um, but you know what? He's, I, I doubt he's any type of superstitious kind of guy. I mean, he and Jimmy have been together for a long time. Um, he's kind of grown up on the tour out there with Jimmy. And, and I, I truly think it was a, um, his caddy, Jimmy was, was just having some, some health issues, was dealing with some dizziness, maybe some back issues. And so he, you know, he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of like coach Saban with, uh, Jalen and Tua. Like you really couldn't go wrong with either one of them. <laughs> yeah. You got two of the best caddies, but, um, I, I would imagine that was, that was a fairly easy decision for him to, to be loyal to Jimmy. Yeah. And if you're Austin Johnson, brother of DJ, and you're on the bag for your brother, no brother discount for that, uh, for that, uh, FedEx cup championship check, right? You, you don't cut the brother discount there to the, to to dj if you're austin do you no heck no you charge him every dime you deserve yeah and you know, I, I wonder how that works i unfortunately uh didn't have to didn't have to worry about that when i was caddying for michael but i i wonder what the what the typical deal is for those guys there's there's no telling i'll just say this neither one of them um are probably worrying about it too much they're probably both getting on a private plane and either one of them could pay for it tonight yeah i think this past weekend yeah i think i think they're gonna be okay uh, the brothers Johnson, no doubt about it. Hey, Matt, yeah. as always, a lot of fun to catch up. A lot of fun talking golf with you. We got a big stretch coming up, so hope, hopefully we can do this again real soon. Absolutely. Look forward to it, Travis. Always enjoy it. There he goes. Matt Hughes, former University of Alabama golfer, played out on the professional tours, also uh, served as a 
caddy for Michael Thompson on the PGA Tour. Always a lot of fun catching up with Matt here on the program. Going to step aside to a break. We come back. More Southern Fried Sports on a Tuesday right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. A good supply of sunshine this afternoon. The high today, 90. Tonight, clear with the low at 69. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny. The high at 91. Thursday, partially sunny. A few scattered showers or thunderstorms are possible by afternoon. The high, 89. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday from 11 a.m. until noon. Today's show brought to you in part by Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. Yashika Barnes, CEO and driving force there for Chase's Residential and Commercial Cleaning. Give them a call right now, 205-886-3616. Be a hero around the Hacienda. Employ the services of Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. No job too big, too small. Most of all, they're going to pick up the phone. Dependability, right? We keep talking about that a lot when it comes to home services, personal services. You're going to get that a whole lot more with Chase's residential and commercial cleaning. 205-886-3616. Thanks again to Matt Hughes joining us in that previous segment. Always fun to catch up with Matt. Matt, a fun guy. Really played some golf, too, back in the day. Still can, I'm sure. Still absolutely can. Provide us with some insight there. On professional golf, um, we told you a little bit earlier, breaking news today for the Alabama Crimson Tide on the recruiting trail as three-star tight end Robbie Oots. Oots, there it is, as in your tight end target for this 2021 class. If you're an Alabama fan, talked about this earlier too, though. Caden Clark going to defer his enrollment till January, a 2020 signee at the position. So you're getting a twofer there for the most part. Went to the grad transfer route to bring in Carl Tucker, who by the sound and what you hear about things, definitely going to be one of those guys very involved at the position along with Miller Forstall. Cameron Latou apparently making some nice strides after transitioning over from the defensive side of the ball as well. Major Tennyson's played some important snaps for you. You're in good shape, both in terms of right now and looking ahead to the future at the tight end spot. And Maybe Alabama's going to be more too tight end oriented. You know, with that offensive line and with Najee Harris, couldn't blame Steve Sarkeesian if he got a little more downhill with the run game, right? You got those backs. You got that offensive line. You know, between Carl Tucker, Miller, Forstall, and the potential of what that interior trio on the offensive line might look like, you might have five redshirt seniors when you talk about guard to guard and then your two top tight ends. It's a lot of age. That's a lot of moss on those guys. That's a lot of experience. That's that grown man experience to go along with some uh, pretty sufficient talent. I would say there on that offensive line for Alabama in 2020. So the tight end position continues to have a home with the Crimson Tide. That's not going to change anytime soon, even after the last couple of years with all the three and sometimes four wide receiver stuff, which absolutely the talent and personnel dictated that not only at that position, but the guy you had pulling the trigger on most series and Tuatanga Vailoa. So, uh, you know, Alabama's not exactly going to go just totally away from three wides. It's going to be interesting to see who that third wide receiver is behind Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddell. Maybe it's John Mechie. Maybe it's a combination of guys. Maybe it's some John Mechie, some Slade Bolden, and uh, even a newcomer like Javon Baker that you've heard some good things about. So uh, sort of forecasting here. You know, if you're Alabama – Kind of works both ways. Well, Devontae Smith's a senior, so regardless, barring injury, he's gone. 
Um, could be the same for Jalen Waddle. Uh, but if Waddle is as good and as productive as you think he might be, he's off to the NFL. But from a recruiting perspective, it can only continue to help you when you're churning out first-round guys like Alabama has the potential to do over a two-year span at the wide receiver spot. I think it was helpful in this most recent class with Baker Holden, Tyu Jones-Bell, and probably even more so with the three guys that you already have committed to Alabama for 2021. And maybe you're able to slide one more high four-star, borderline five-star into that group and make it a quartet for 2021. Kind of the recruiting dominoes in effect there when you have the type of star power and punch that Alabama's had at those spots here in the last couple of years. Um, Baseball, I wanted to get in the Braves a little bit. I guess we didn't have a winners and losers Monday, but uh, Braves would have been somewhere in the middle of all that. Braves lost 10 uh, in 10 innings yesterday to the Marlins. Ian Anderson, the rookie, a little bit of a little bit of a uh, scruffy start yesterday. Three innings pitched, four walks, two earned runs. Braves, even after the loss, still two games up on the Phillies. Don't like hearing Max Fried going on the injured list with the back spasms. Clearly the ace of this Alabama staff. So now Kyle Wright comes back up. And he'll go tonight for the Braves against the Marlins. 0-3 record, 7.20 ERA for Kyle Wright when he takes the bump tonight against the Fish over there in Atlanta. That's going to just about do it for a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Check out BamaOnline.com for continuing coverage of the Robbie Oots commitment. We already have a breaking pod up over there at BamaOnline.com. Myself and site publisher Tim Watts giving you that. Don't ask me how I did both at the same time. Just, just enjoy it. We thank you for it. We thank you for listening here, no doubt about that. Lunch whistle today. We're going to talk about Heat Pizza Bar. Downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Frank, my pal, the rest of the crew there. Outstanding pizzas. I told you earlier in the show, you know, we're kind of elevating the pizza game, it feels like, as we get closer to the start of SEC football over these next few weekends. Well, the penthouse of pizza. How about that for some branding? Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. It is a Thai Chicken Tuesday, so that means starting at 6 o'clock tonight. You're going to be able to get those Thai chicken pizzas for just seven bucks. Thanks a lot again to Matt Hughes for joining us here on the program. Thanks for Joe Gaither and the production crew there at 24-7 Sport, excuse me, at Tide 100.9 FM for getting the job done until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for 